Welcome. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. My guest today is Marilyn Levin, an author, a professional speaker and trainer, and an award-winning activist. Marilyn is a social worker by training and a social entrepreneur by nature. She's engaged in a number of global initiatives committed to changing the course of history. The Global Sufficiency Network is one, uh, and she is a founder and executive director of it. It is dedicated to shifting our cultural paradigm out of the mindset of scarcity that many feel is a root cause of all the crises we face as a global community. She also serves on the leadership team of Four Years Go, an initiative to put humanity on a just, sustainable, and fulfilling path by 2014, and an organization that I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about. So welcome, Marilyn. Today we're going to talk about your book, Experiential Activities for a Better World, a guidebook for facilitators, teachers, trainers, and group leaders. Tell me, how did this book come about? Well, I spent uh, about 15 years presenting on diversity, inclusivity, making the world a better place, um, being the best you can be. And <clears throat> I really found uh, that people were, were really excited about the philosophies and the approaches that I used and the unique activities that I used. And people kept begging me to write the activities down so that they could use them. And over the years, I wrote them down. And finally, 10 years later, it was all pulled together and it became a book. <laughs> Who should be interested in this book? Well, I'm finding that um, really people that want to make a difference with the book, because the book is about personal transformation. There's all kinds of tools and tips and techniques and uh, approaches that you can use for your own transformation mm -hmm. and the cause transformation in the world. Um, and uh, people that work with groups and want to have activities that engage people and, and have people develop their own ahas mm -hmm. and have people relate to the topic in an engaging and uh, useful manner. Is there any sort of age range that uh, is appropriate for the book? Um, you know, probably um, from middle school and up. Uh-huh. So probably like... Some activities would be appropriate for even, you know, uh, kindergartners, but probably most of the activities are appropriate for middle school and up. Uh-huh. I, I know from reading the book that uh, the first part of the book is really a kind of a, a self-guided tour of your own inner psyche and uh, leading you to question your own blocks and, and get past them. And then the second part is kind of uh, backloaded with lots and lots of activities. I, I think you have over 100 activities in the book. Um, give us an example of a few of your favorites. Yeah. You know, my, my, by far, my favorite activity is called Touch Someone Who. And it's an appreciation activity where people take turns closing their eyes in a group and um, some people reach out and touch uh, the people that they're inspired to touch based on the statements that get read out. For example, you would ask people to touch someone who inspires you, touch someone who is a good leader, touch someone who, uh, whose values you respect. And what you find in this activity is very often, almost always, people are moved to tears um, because we all have this inner belief that we're not good enough. And when we are, go through this powerful experience, of having people 
truly point out and acknowledge that we are this extraordinary, it really gets inside us. And we have to people close their eyes so that we can't say, oh, well, they're just touching it to get on that good side. They're just touching me, you know, um, to, you know, have me like them. You know, with your eyes closed, you don't know who's touching you. And it really sinks in that you are all these things. And uh, like I said, it moves people to tears. Um, my uh, funnest time that I've ever done this activity was with uh, a group of social workers in Wisconsin. And um, they were so used to giving appreciation and not receiving appreciation that they were a little awkward in this activity. And they were a little like in junior high. And they were giving each other noogies and things like that. <laughs> so it was really precious. <laughs> And then um, the next set of favorite activities for me is around cultural conditioning. In our society, we are uh, very individualistic in the dominant society, and we often believe that when we fall short of our extraordinary nature as human beings, that it's our personal failing. But when you look around and see that human beings are falling short in similar ways, um, you really can look at the cultural conditioning. Excuse me and the impact it's having on us as a society. And I do this series of about six to eight simple, powerful, experiential activities that have people discover things for themselves. That's really the beauty of these activities and of experiential education in particular, is that when you tell somebody they're competitive, they really resist hearing that information. But if you have them do a thumb wrestling activity, and give them a cooperative goal, and they discover that they themselves, uh, that they compete themselves, and they don't listen to the cooperative goal, they get the deep insight themselves that really alters things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the hand wrestling activity is great in that series of cultural conditioning. I also really love the perspective activity that shows us that we live in a world where I'm right and you're wrong, and the, with the mistaken belief that if I accept that you're right, then I'm giving up that I'm right. But in actuality, we can both be right, given our own perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that is so profound. I mean, that, that's really almost a metaphor for what's wrong with the world now. That and the other, the other thing you put a lot of emphasis on in the book um, is derived from Lynn Twist's work and the, the trance of scarcity. Um, I just loved that bit where you said the three part, the, the lie of scarcity. There are three parts to it, that there's not enough to go around, that more is better, and that that's just the way it is, and we can't change it. Would yeah, those, those toxic lies are, are, are very damaging in society because it has us tolerating you know, 30,000 children starving to death today. It has us tolerating um, all the, the economic inequities. It has us tolerating all the different forms of oppression. When, in fact, if we were grounded in what is the truth, the sufficiency of the enoughness of ourselves and of the people around us and of our world, um, we would choose really a different way of living together. Yeah, I, I was absolutely astounded by some of the statistics that you were quoting in the book. So, for example, that each week a quarter of a million or more children die of malnutrition. I mean, that that's that really hits you where you live. Or, or yeah, well, you know, the, 
the numbers have become so staggering that we don't know how to know them. We almost just, you know, we have so many defense mechanisms and so much desensitization mm-hmm. to the violence and the trauma in the world. It actually really takes something to be aware. But one of the things I talk about in my book is that it's essential that we're aware, but it's also essential that we do the loving and the healing things so that we don't get broken down by knowing the traumas in the world, but that we actually find that that can lead us to healing and empowerment to be able to make a difference um, and to have our life make a difference. And that's really the, the good life, you know, un, un, unlike what mainstream society wants to tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how would you um, suggest that we kind of wrap our minds on coping with a disaster as overwhelming as what has just happened in Japan with the earthquake and the tsunami and, you know, God knows what's going to happen with the nuclear fallout. Yeah, you know, that's, it's really a challenging one. And, you know, I, I myself, you know, have, have looked inside to, you know, where, where do I go to to be able to, you know, uh, number one, it's it's appropriate to let our hearts break, um, you know, when tragedies like this happen, and to recognize that actually tragedies are happening every day that we've gotten desensitized to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's important, I think, for us to reach out to, to our beloved community, and if we don't have one, I think it's important to create one. And I think it's also um, important to remember you know, Gandhi's quote about full effort is full victory. And it's really not up to us individually what we do in the world uh, to, you know, we can't control what the universe does with our efforts. And that, you know, that our, our lives, you know, and our efforts to make a difference are what, what are the victory, whether they actually succeed in, you know, causing the transformations we're committed to or not. And then I've gotten... Um, more philosophical and more spiritual as I've worked all this through to recognize that my soul is not threatened by any of, any of the worldly uh, traumas. And that um, if I can stay grounded in that connectedness, then I'm in the best place to be empowered to actually do something about what happens in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, and, go on. Right. You know, and the metaphor comes from me like, the trust, like I, I recently wrote an article about trusting in the sufficiency of humanity, that we've almost lost belief that we can actually cause a transformation in who we are as a global community, and that's something that needs to get resolved because we are capable, and our, our, us trusting in our capacity, it will really enhance our ability to, to cause this next transformation in what it means to be human. But don't we need to focus on what we can do. I mean, so many of us look at all of the overwhelming tragedies and chaos around us and just kind of throw our hands up and say, you know, there's just too much. I can't cope with it. So what advice would you give someone like that who, how do you even start? Well, I think that number one, find at least one supportive community of transformation. Um, because, you know, tackling this stuff alone doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I've used reevaluation counseling. I am totally in love with landmark education. 
Um, with what? With what? Ed- landmark, landmark education. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, yes. And, um, you know, find a supportive, you know, spiritual or transformational empowerment community that you can go to because this stuff is not easy to handle alone. And then, um, you know, develop the, you know, a life of transformation. Um, because inside of a spiritual or more mainstream transformation like landmark, you just have the path of learning how to cope with the traumas in the world and find your empowering place within all of the chaos and the, and, and the uh, uh, problems in the world. And then you just do what you can do, and you let that be enough. You know, that, that um, you do pick up the trash that you see on the street. You do be kind to the neighbor that you have next door. You do be kind to yourself when the negative self-talk takes over. You know, and the more that you do that next little thing you can do, the more you see it does make a difference. And then you do that next little thing that needs to be done. And then you find that inside of the personal transformation that you are having a bigger, bigger life that's causing more and more transformation outside of you. Is this what you refer to as transformational activism? It is. It is. You know, really because... You know, Gandhi, as we all know, you know, his famous quote about, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, many of us activists um, and, you know, really people in general um, aren't that great yet um, as a human community at being the change we wish to see. I mean, examples in my life is that I've been a really angry peace activist that has have called other people names. <laughs> you know, I've been a person that has said, you know, stood for acceptance of diverse people, but I've been judgmental and not accepting of other people. And the more that I take on personal transformation, the more that I realize that I have to walk my talk. I have to live, you know, my commitments in the world. And, um, you know, that, that has power, that has integrity, and that moves the world. Absolutely. I'm always reminded of Rumi's quote, uh, out beyond all notions of right and wrong, there is a field. I will meet you there. I love it. So I know that so, you... Uh, yeah? Well, I want to say one more thing about transformational activism. Um, and it's, it's, it's remembering to really use the best of you to inspire the best in others and remembering not to blame but to take responsibility and that I I, one of my favorite quotes um, that I have that uh, I tell people I said the the, one of the things you can do that will make the most difference in the world is to go to self-love graduate school and never get out (laughs) I love it (laughs) from that place of self-acceptance you really don't participate you know in the negativity Mm-hmm. You know, and I, this is the quote that I read from Chopra that, that really inspires me. Healing your own heart is the single most powerful thing you can do to change the world. Your own transformation will enable you to withdraw so completely from evil that you contribute to it not by one word, one thought, or one breath. This healing process is like recovering your soul. Do you know, Marilyn, that is so amazing. Could you read that again? Yes, 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 I can. It's it's one that I go to again and again because, see, people that get overwhelmed and think that they can't make a difference in the world, if they, do, if they did only this, mm-hmm. the world would transform. Healing your own heart is the single most powerful thing you can do to change the world. 
your own transformation will enable you to withdraw so completely from evil that you contribute to it not by one word, one thought, or one breath. This healing process is like recovering your soul. Deepak Chopra. Wow. That is amazing. Now, I I know you're involved in an initiative to create a new future for humanity in the next four years. It's it's what I mentioned in the introduction um, uh, four years ago. Now, how does the book relate to that? Well, four years ago is just, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm just absolutely thrilled beyond belief to be associated with it. Um, And the, the... book is really in alignment with four years ago in that it provides tools for personal and global transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, four years ago is committed to, to creating a new future for humanity by the end of 2014, basically changing the course of history so that by the end of 2014, futurists who are now predicting an unhospitable, unjust, unsustainable future for future generations will then, at the end of 2014, predict a just, sustainable, and fulfilling future. Not that we solve all our problems, but that we are on the path um, that will support all life of all species for all time. That's a pretty tall order. Do you think it's really possible? It is. Is it possible to turn the tide? I really do believe that it is. Um, and, and, And I'll tell you some of the reasons why I really believe that. And first of all, we have caused massive transformations in what it means to be human before. For example, when we shifted out of the medieval times where we were burning people at stakes and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, um, we switched to modern times and the Renaissance and the artists. And, you know, so we already have several times in our history caused transformations in what it means to be human. So we can do it again. And we're, it, only, it only took, at that time, they say, maybe several hundred people and the funding from one or two major families of wealth to actually cause that transformation. It does not take all of society to cause a transformation. Some people talk about 10 or 11% of, of humanity can cause a transformation. And <clears throat> another reason why I believe it's possible is because the, the society is breaking down as we see it. It's breaking down economically, you know, it's breaking down environmentally, it's breaking down uh, in, you know, through social justice, around inequality and, and oppression. And even though it's tremendously painful, it is an opportunity mm-hmm. because the world is no longer working for anyone. Even the people that are the cream of the crop and are experiencing the supposed best benefits of power and money in our world, they see this is an unworkable world for everyone, and their children won't have a future that's worth living into if, if we don't all create a new paradigm for us together. So, you know, it's really a gift that these crises are converging in a way that has us all take notice and all open our, you know, eyes. And, um, so, you know, those are basically, you know, the reasons that I use you know, to really be confident that we can cause this transformation. I couldn't agree with you more. So tell me, um, how would one connect with Four Years Go, and and what do you um, expect to be happening within this organization? Well, there's some very exciting things coming up. 
Um, and I want to remind people that um, this campaign is for the hero and everyone. So in the past, we've think, thought about big movements that have caused a, lot, caused a lot of change. We've thought of charismatic leaders like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and, and uh, Susan B. Anthony. And, and this movement is for all of us, each of us, every person listening to this, this recording. Um, that, you know, that we can all access our greatness and all causes transformation without really having a charismatic leader. And, you know, all the things going on in Egypt and the Middle East are showing that leaders, leaderless movements of masses of people are changing everything. And um, so I'm in charge of the team called the Mobilizers, which are the proud and precious people that are willing to spread this individual commitment campaign. Um, and if anybody's interested in being part of that global team, they can reach me at Marilyn at fouryearsgo.org. The Four Years Go website is fouryearsgo.org. Um, you can four also spelled out. Four spelled out. Four spelled out in letters. Yes, four spelled out in letters. Yes, and um, you can also um, get to the commitment page at www.4yg.me and. <clears throat> I want to be real clear that Four Years Go knows that there's already amazing solutions already present in the world. And there's already millions of people and organizations already doing great work in the world. And so we didn't want to jump into that game because it's already been handled. But what we saw was missing was the collective willpower and commitment to say, let's just do this thing. Let's cause this transformation Let's go for it. Let's do it in four years. Let's not wait. And so um, our purpose is to get enough people to make this commitment and live this commitment to cause a transformation where it needs to be human. So and a couple other things that I'll tell you about that are very exciting is in about a week or so, we're going to launch the Possible Futures Film Contest. And you can get information about that on the Four Years Go website as well. And it's uh, uh, there's great prize money. There's celebrity judges. And they're asking people <clears throat> all over to submit short videos that show the future they want to live into. So I'm very excited about that. And then in June, in mid-June, we're going to launch a huge website called MyStand. It's going to be much like, like Facebook. It's a social networking site. And the point of the site is for people to get to profile the difference they want to make in the world, the stand that they are in the world and to be able to interact with other people all over the world inside of that commitment. And they're very excited about that. So that's mystand, S-T-A-N-D dot com? Uh-huh. I, I'm pretty sure that that will be the URL. I'm not, I don't have complete confirmation on that, but anybody who is signed up under four years ago will get invitations to that for sure. Okay. Wow. So you're calling for people to get off their futons and uh, yoga mats and become activists, transformational activists. Yeah, to really actually, to really be the change. You know, Mm -hmm. live your life as if the shift has happened already, you know, and that's what causes it, you know? Well, as they say, we're the ones we've been waiting for. And if we don't acknowledge that, we'll just keep on waiting. And right. So. And the beauty of stepping into who you truly are is that you learn the truth of sufficiency. 
you mm-hmm. learn that you are enough. You know, and it's just the most exquisite feeling to just keep doing that next thing that feels right to you and to practice trusting in the enoughness of that. Yeah, I, I interviewed Tom Shadiak about his film I Am, uh, which came mm-hmm. out a couple of months ago. And that film showed how he left a life of wealth and power and absolutely every luxury, turned his back on it because he felt empty inside. And he went on a search for meaning, which is, that's the most simple way I can describe it. And he found it in service. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, you know, we all at our deepest core, we want our life to make a difference. We want to know that we matter. Yeah. And we do. And we do completely. You know, it's, the other thing I always laugh about is that when we think that we can't create a new world, we forget that we created the one we have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, hello, we, we actually created the one we have, so we can create a new one. It may not feel like it, but that's the truth of the matter. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, all I can say is um, more power to you, Marilyn. I'm so excited to learn about this um, new venture four years ago and your role in it. And I think that your book will be a tremendous resource um, for anyone bringing together a group um, and wanting to get them to coalesce and, and work as one unit for the greater good. So again, Marilyn's book is Experiential Activities for a Better World, a guidebook for facilitators, teachers, trainers, and group leaders. And Marilyn, what is your website? Um, It's just my name. It's MarilynLevin.com. MarilynLevin.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a delight speaking with you. And we're going to have you back soon, uh, a little bit down the line, and see where four years ago has gotten to by then. I would love to come again. Thank you, thank you for what you're doing in the world. New Consciousness Review is a tremendous asset and resource to the shift that we're trying to cause. So thank you so much for, for that great work. Thank you, Marilyn. This is Miriam Knight. Come back and be with us next time. Goodbye.